Welcome back to Far From Perfect, everyone. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today we get to hear from Jason Gaddis, who is the founder of The Relationship School. So Jason is an artist, an author, a podcaster, a speaker, an executive coach, a CEO, a founder, a human behavior specialist, and a relationship expert. Needless to say, I could have talked to him for hours. He's the creator of interpersonal intelligence and presence-centered relationship coaching and has trained over 200 coaches in 11 countries. His book, Getting to Zero, How to Work Through Conflict in Your High-Stakes Relationships, was voted Editor's Choice, Best Nonfiction, and Best Leadership and Business Book in 2021 on Amazon. He's been married to his amazing wife since 2007 and has two beautiful kids. They live in Boulder, down, Boulder, Colorado, just down the road from me. And when he doesn't live and breathe this relationship stuff with family, he pretty much just gets his ass handed to him. <laughs> Jason believes the world will be a better place if we just knew how to effectively work out our differences. And so that is what we talked about in this episode. Of course, I asked him relationship questions, but specifically things like, What do you do when, you know, you're on this path to evolving, you are improving your life, you're into personal development, but your partner is not into that. What do you do in that scenario? And he has some really great advice. What do you do when one of the partners, you know, wants to be intimate, but the other partner doesn't want to? What do you do? Is that a deal breaker? What do you do? Like with your parents, how do you have an honest relationship or excuse me, an honest conversation with your parents without reverting back to being 16 years old? So whether you are actually partnered up or not, that does not matter because the work that he talks about is all work that we can do whether we're currently in a relationship or not. So enjoy this episode. Make sure you follow Jason on Instagram at Jason Gaddis. That is J-A-Y. S-O-N-G-A-D-D-I-S. And then also check out his website to learn all about his program offerings, relationshipschool.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am honored today to be talking with Jason Gaddis. He is, among many, many things, a relationship expert and executive coach and an author. He's also the creator of Interpersonal Intelligence and a Present-Centered Relationship Coaching. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, Kylie. Good to be here. Yeah, it's so great to be here. So what, I, what I'm what i so curious about is, like, did you know this is what you wanted to do? Like, when you finished school, did you know, I'm going to go be a coach, whether it was an executive coach or relationship coach, or do you have, like, a more colorful background? Yeah, definitely not. I, uh, my undergrad was in, I didn't know what I wanted to study, uh, actually. And they, the counselor met with me and said, you dude, you gotta pick a major here or you're going to be in school forever. And so I, I was on the five-year plan and I picked environmental geography because that's what I had the most credits in. <laughs> and then in graduate and then twenties was a, you know, it's a whole story. Right. And then I got clear. I needed to 
get help with myself and I wanted to help people. So uh, graduate school, I uh, was in my early 30s and I didn't, you know, so I'm, I'm not sure where your question was, undergrad or grad? Both, really. I just was like curious as to your path. Like, did you start working what I call a real job? Um, or like, how, what did you do? How'd you get here? Yeah, relationship failure got me here, got me my foot on the path to personal growth because I, I was confused and a mess and making women wrong and, um, you know, didn't know myself very well. And also I was working with troubled adolescent kids mm -hmm. uh, as a way to probably help myself vicariously. And I needed more skills. So I wanted to go study more uh, and I wanted to study myself and figure my shit out so that I could, you know, have a successful relationship. Absolutely. Well, on your website, you were saying, I help you take your relationship pain and turn it into love. So what does that look like when people come to you what are they, what are their issues that they're dealing with? Well, most people uh, come now to, to me uh, through the school by mm -hmm. to take courses because they're learners. They, yeah. They're like in some kind of relationship pain or longing and they want to change their life. Mm -hmm. um, so our courses are really, they're long courses because they're transformational. Because uh, I know after being a therapist and then a coach for so many years, People don't change uh, unless they do the work for quite a while. It's not, I really, I don't attract a lot of people anymore, at least in our longer courses that just want pain relief. They want to change their lives. Mm -hmm. So here's something that I hear. I work mostly with women and when they start working with me, they're on this, this journey, right? They're evolving. And sometimes we evolve at a different pace than our partner or yeah. our partner is not interested in personal development or evolving, what happens in that scenario? What do you suggest for people if they're on this path, but their partner isn't and they're wishing that they were? Yeah, well, there's two paths there. One is inspire them mm -hmm. uh, by being an awesome human and giving what you wanna receive to them. Mm -hmm. And the other path is moving on. Yeah. Um, because I don't, I don't recommend trying to change them. Yeah. Uh, it's getting really honest and accepting them for who they are. Cause all of us want to just be loved for who we are. Right. We don't want to be changed mm -hmm. and not everybody wants to do the work and not everybody wants to apply themselves and that's okay. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. Okay. Well, one of the things that really drew me in, well, first off, one of my friends went to one of your retreats. She absolutely loved it. And that's why I started following you. And then every single thing that you talk about and post, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so great. The world needs to hear this message. Especially like what to do when your partner isn't having sex with you. If you're not having sex in your marriage. And the other day we were talking about this and how to have this conversation. And I thought maybe you could address that because again, like my listeners, they're like my age in their forties and we're going through this transition, right? Hormonally, we're going through perimenopause yeah. and maybe the sex drive isn't there, but as you know, it's not all about hormones. So how do we have this conversation if we're wanting to be in intimate with our partner, but they're like, it's just, they're checked out. Yeah. So I, I start with the conversation about the conversation first, mm -hmm. which is, Hey, are you open to a conversation about our sex life? Mm -hmm. You know, getting kind of buy-in. And you might get defensiveness initially, um, but hopefully you get a yes or a no, and hopefully you get a yes. Mm -hmm. And then if it's a yes, you can move on to the next step. Great. When are you available? Um, I know this is tender for us. This is really vulnerable. We've had some conflict here before. 
I want to get help here. This is a vibrant part of our humanity. Um, and it matters to me that we, we find our way. Mm-hmm. And sex has to also be defined. Oh, sure. A lot of men in particular define sex as intercourse. Mm-hmm. And women have a much smarter, wider view of sex being so many more things than just penetration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we take, you know, it's like, well, what do we mean by sex, honey? Um, can we just take our clothes off and mm-hmm. just lay next to each other? Because that can feel really good to both mm-hmm. people. That can be really, that's a step, right? Right. Toward being sexually expressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both people need to be, it's less about getting into some sort of goal and more into a conversation that's exploring it's like anything it could be parenting it could be um how do we navigate our financial situation that's tricky right now or we how do we pay off our debt or how do we deal with our money differences because you're a spender and i'm a saver mm-hmm. like there's there's gonna be it doesn't matter what the issue is mm-hmm. it's we're a couple and we're a team and how do we want to approach these hard conversations in general and then how do we want to approach this conversation mm-hmm. happens to be about sex how are we going to do that because it matters it's part of our lives you know so it sounds like communication is a really important thing here yeah you got it well and that's another thing that i wanted to talk about with you the other day you were making a post about so you think you're a good communicator look at your communication with these three groups and you yeah. came in hot with that first slide and it was your parents <laughs> and yeah. you're like you know do you ultimately go back into your like juvenile voice or your adolescent voice. And in the comment section, everyone's like talking about their parents. Mm -hmm. And I just was hoping like you could expand on that. Why, why do we have such a hard time with our parents? Yeah. It's this, we could ask the same question. Why do we have such a hard time with an intimate partner? And it's all about the attachment system. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, we spent 18 years, with these people and I don't care how great your family was. Um, like we have a great family and my son is a teenager now and is getting annoyed at times by me because we live together, right? Right. We're just in the same space for 14 years, we're gonna get on each other's nerves and that's the deal. And then 18 years of that, for many people it's longer now, 20, mm-hmm. 25. And it's, it's just, it's okay. Um, but ideally the family has a high, you know, when you're creating a family like I am, creating a family you didn't get, let's say, yeah, you create rules of engagement that are very relationally focused and relational centric and, um, you know, where we prioritize and value connection and mm-hmm. we value repair and we, you know, if we get hurt, we repair it and fix it. And so many of us grew in families where, grew up in families where that didn't happen. Yeah. So we have resentments, we have hurt feelings mm-hmm. and it comes out sideways. And how we talk to our parents. Um, we go back for the holidays and we turn into a 17-year-old again. Like literally. And yeah. I was I felt so validated reading that comment section. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one that all of a sudden is 16 when they go home for the holidays. Yeah. yeah. I'm a grown ass woman, but not when I go to that house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was wondering too, are you do you see any generational differences in in couples? Like as people are doing this work and hopefully it's trickling down through their families, do you see people in their fifties dealing with issues that 
maybe people in their 30s aren't having anymore. I don't presume you see many like 20 year olds. I guess I'm just curious, like, are we evolving as we heal, as we work on these things ourselves? Is it traveling down? Is it getting better? I, I mean, that's a good question. The divorce rate doesn't seem to be getting any better, mm-hmm. right? Um, it seems to be the statistics are generally the same. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a little more cool to be into self-awareness. Yeah. I think millennials, for example, are there's a lot of influencers now and easy access to influencers on your phone that are talking about self-awareness. There's a lot of athletes willing to admit they're depressed. There's mm-hmm. we have Olympians now saying I'm depressed and I can't stand the pressure. And mm-hmm. so there, there's some pretty cool, I think we have more role models and access to role models who are being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, is it making a difference though in say marriages? I don't, I don't think so yeah. uh, necessarily, but I do think, younger people, like maybe one advantage to social media is they're getting just exposed to a level of vulnerability and transparency that's um, maybe refreshing, you know? I would agree with that. Yeah. So how can I or anyone listening, how can we make sure or work towards being the best possible partner? Yeah, well, you're probably on that path yourself, which is to to grow and to look in the mirror and to not not in a self-judgy way or a shamey way that there's something wrong with me, not not from that kind of view, which is more of a victim mindset, more of a um, would I want to be in a relationship with myself? You know, do I like myself? Um, if I were dating me this week, would I be having a good time? Um, and would I be able to handle my own upheavals, breakdowns, and drama that I kind of, when I get into my victim seat and I want to blame everybody else, mm-hmm. can I handle myself there? Yeah. You know, can I have enough of a witness? Because, um, I and we can do that whether we're single or in a relationship. Yeah. Right. We can always ask, like, am I being a good partner today? Am I, um, and I, we can just ask our partner. If we're partnered, we can just ask them, "How? Can, hey, I'm open to some feedback here. How do you feel like I'm doing as your partner? Mm-hmm. What? Are, where am I not considering you and your feelings? Where? Where am I dropping the ball? Can we have a conversation and give each other some, you know, tender, honest, vulnerable feedback? Yeah, this is so crazy because this was a couple months ago, and literally my mother-in-law asked me. She's like, would you like to be married to you? I was like, yeah. no way, no way I'd want to be married to me. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be married to me either. Huh. Just speaking to the fact that we have these yeah. amazing partners. Clearly I'm open to doing all of the work and all of that, but yeah. I had never thought about that. Like yeah. you said, all these weird quirks that you know I have and everyone has, like that's a great place to start. Yeah, and then and if, so if we're single, we can take that view. If we're partnered again, we can... I mean, partnership is so much about acceptance. It's about learning to love the person that we chose. Because mm-hmm. what happens after the honeymoon phase is it gets people become kind of unlovable. They become difficult. And it's like, God, I can't believe I married this person. Oh my God, mm-hmm. they act like this. I didn't know about that. Holy shit. Um, but that's the practice is, yeah, I made a commitment to you and I'm and I do genuinely love you and I this part and that part are a little hard for me at times, but wow, uh, I'm working on it. I'm working on embracing you more. And I think that's just a cool 
frame and a cool practice because I think too many people are like, well, I got married and everything was great. And then it got really bad. And it's like, that's so that's people not applying themselves. Right. Because like you talk about, it's, it's work. We have yeah. to work towards this. Yeah. And if you have an aversion to, towards the word work, then change it to effort. I don't care. Yeah. But as Henry Rollins said, nothing good comes without a certain amount of effort and work mm-hmm. in our lives, whether it's getting our body in shape or making money or whatever, we've got to fucking put in some effort. Yeah. And so what? Like, get over it. It's okay to put in some effort. Right. Anything worth doing is going to take some effort. Yeah. If you want to feel good about yourself and about your relationship, you need to apply yourself. Mm-hmm. So what are there things that people should consider before they get married? Because I'm wondering, is marriage for everyone? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, you probably saw my post that basically said never, ever get married unless you, uh, your person has three things. Yeah. Um, and the first thing was a willingness, just a willingness to like mm-hmm. be open-minded to work on things. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one was, I think, embraced conflict, but like, you know, you're going to have differences. You're not going to like each other at times and you need to learn to work with that. Yeah. So if you're, if you're married, in this moment, I don't remember what the third one was, but the first one is the most important is if you have a resistant partner who will not get off the couch and go to therapy or coaching or read a book or apply themselves, you are screwed. Yeah. Red flag. Huge red flag. (laughs) The biggest in my opinion. Well, since I'm a female and I mostly work with females, I know a lot about, or I, I know what females are looking for out of their partners, but I would love to hear from a male perspective, like what can we do to support the men in our lives if we are partnered, you know, with a man? Yeah. Well, men, as you know, one of our buttons that where we get feel easily triggered is feeling criticized. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing it wrong. So if we feel the opposite, like, hey, I believe in you. I accept you, you know, you're kind of neurotic and intense sometimes, and I don't always like parts of you, but I, overall, I'm so psyched on you and who you are and like conveying women can convey the message to men that, you know, I like you, I respect you. You're not doing anything wrong. Mm. Um, You're just, I'm just triggered right now by Mm -hmm. how you're being with me. Yeah. Um, That's huge. Um, men also want to feel, um, also want to feel a woman's willingness to work on it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, these are, these are good men I'm talking about, of course. Yes, of course. Um, cause, cause if we're talking about like the conventional man who just wants to watch the game, he doesn't want to do anything. You know, he, he wants you to just like leave him alone, mm-hmm. not ever bring up anything difficult. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so don't, don't go after those kind of guys, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, and men want to feel um, that you believe in him and respect his choices. He doesn't necessarily want to feel um, talked down to. Yeah. Uh, or he do- doesn't want a mother, you know? Mm-hmm. And some some men unconsciously do want a mother and behave like little boys. And then the this is when you meet a woman who has three kids and then the husband's like the fourth and she's like, oh, well, my fourth kid. Yeah. And it's so sad to hear that shit. 
Yep, it's I like agree. throwing her husband under the bus like that. It's like, wow, you two need to have a conversation clearly about your dynamic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I Those think sometimes, um, you know, I work with high performing women and oftentimes they lead with that masculine energy. And so mm. I always am wondering, how's that playing out at home? Does the man feel like his part of his masculinity is being taken away? I just think it's, again, another conversation that we need to have. And maybe some females aren't aware that they're making their husbands feel this way. That's right. That's a good, good point. I think... Um... You know, I'm not I'm not too into the masculine feminine dynamic thing. Mm -hmm. However, I think I think it has merit and value. If a woman is a professional woman holding down a job and she's a high performer, some women like that could attract a guy who's an underfunctioning guy who doesn't have a job. And so it creates a dynamic where she's constantly feeling like she's telling him what to do or coaching him. Mm -hmm. like come on man and, and maybe he's more of a nice guy for example so if a woman wants to have a more equal equitous kind of relationship eye level relationship where she's not above him right mm -hmm. she can soften mm -hmm. and she can uh, not always be the leader and she can do the more uncomfortable thing of being a follower at times yeah. you know and she can um it's sort of like a couple like that. If they don't like the dynamic, they can take turns doing leader follower stuff in the bedroom is also, and also just going to dinner or whatever yeah. we're doing um, because high performing women, I, I love high performing women. And um, there can, there can be a, an energy that's not leaving a lot of room for vulnerability and like, let's drop in and slow down and like feel and be together. Um, so in a way, it's like, it doesn't matter the gender labels. Yeah, sure. One partner could be more of a achiever and one partner's maybe an underachiever. Mm -hmm. Again, the, the, it's just an opportunity. It's another cool opportunity for the couple to talk about their differences and be like, wow, you're kind of like this and I'm kind of like that. And how are we going to work with these differences? That's great. Well, I want to be really mindful of your time, Jason. Let's say someone is listening to this or like, oh my gosh, I need more of this. How can they, first of all, tell them they need to follow you on social media, like Instagram for sure. Sign up for your daily texts, obviously. Um, but what other offerings do you have through the relationship school? Yeah, our primary course is called Relationship Mastery. And that's only for people who are growth oriented, who want to make a you know big commitment. It's a nine month course. Mm -hmm. It's a cohort model. Um, it's both live and recorded. So people can do it at their own pace, but there's live components and they get live time with me and they get assigned a coach. Um, that's the most transformational course uh, that's entry level. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome because people get permanent upgrades. They like themselves more. They become better communicators. They're better listeners permanently for life, which is amazing. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's nine months. Yeah. Um, they become better parents if they're parents. Uh, so that's rad. And then, of course, we have deeper level courses where if you want to now become a coach, wow. you know, like yourself, uh, you can take our coach training. Um, yeah, those are probably the two best places to plug in. And then if, you know, people want free resources or really affordable, there's always my book, Getting to Zero, um, How to Work Through Conflict in Your High Stakes Relationships. That's great. Um, or our podcast. I love it. Well, and I want to point that out. Like there are so many resources out there for people that are free or it's just the cost of a book. But again, it comes back to that willingness to, to do the work. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, 
like, you know, I've been in therapy with, I've been in coaching forever, like, but those people didn't do the work for me. And of course I'm still doing the work. Right. But it's all on us. Like you were talking about that ownership is so important. Totally. Yeah. And, And we have to be honest that like, look, listening to podcasts is awesome but it's probably not going to move the needle uh, in the same way that going to the gym for a year straight, five days a week is going to move the needle. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like we, we just got to get in there and, and stress test ourselves and put ourselves in a classroom or a dojo or a mm-hmm. something to change the patterns. Um, that's why I, I, I like the longer course kind of big investment model. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, thank you for all the work that you are doing and everything you're putting out in the world. Clearly we need it, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I think we do, Kylie. I think the world, uh, you know, that's I'm on a mission to help people not only be who they are, but to help them work out their differences because we need help in our neighborhoods and our communities. And, you know, it's, it's a problem. Right. Well, that's what I think about. I only have one child, but like you were talking about, we, we kind of want to do it a little bit differently maybe than our parents did, even though we know they did the best that they could. Yep. Like that ripple effect. So thanks for making those ripples. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for um, being someone who cares so much. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I hope I get to talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Kylie. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in. And as I was listening to this podcast, it really got me thinking about maintaining our relationships. And I talk a lot about being in maintenance with your nutrition and with your fitness. Maintenance takes work. Just because you aren't actively pursuing someone, just because you aren't actively pursuing like a physical, that doesn't mean that the work is over. That's actually this time of integration where the work, that's where it starts to sink in and that's where you truly start to change. So I just wanted to you know, end this podcast with that one final nugget. Keep doing the work because it's so worth it. It's so worth it to have these valuable relationships. Thanks again for tuning in. I can't wait to talk to you next time. My next guest is going to be Dr. Dr. John Deloney or Dr. Don Deloney, <laughs> Dr. John Deloney. I know it's going to be a fabulous conversation. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.